and welcome. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. I am back and slightly underslept, folks, so I'm going to preemptively apologize. Uh, I'm going to be doing my best Kevin Farmer uh, impersonation today. Uh, we've got a, uh, a show today that is focused largely around um, the Conference of the Parties 21, of course, the meetings in Paris, which are not only underway, but about to not be underway anymore as we reach the uh, exciting conclusion. We're going to talk to, in uh, just a few seconds, actually, uh, someone who's live in the ground in Paris, where I'm about to do my best CNN impression. I'll do that in one second. Uh, and then after that, we have uh, some updates as well about the um, climate changes here at home, both with reference to Canada's uh, particular commitments to COP, uh, as well as some, uh, some follow-up to our brief conversation last week. Uh, about the uh, climate uh, policy announced uh, in Alberta by Premier Notley as well, uh, and some other news um, scattered around the end of the show as well. So a variety today, pretty focused on uh, the conference and uh, and uh, climate change, of course. And uh, as we're getting into our holiday season, though, the last thing I'll, I'll say before we go to our guest as well is that um, the holiday season is a time when I like to um, have a little bit of fun. It's a bit of time off for me, but we don't actually take time off from the show. Uh, we just take time off from taking the show super seriously. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, I have a couple of very fun, and I believe me, I mean fun, um, holiday shows planned for you as well. So even while you're on the holiday there, uh, don't don't forget to tune in or, or subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, though, here's my CNN impression. Uh, we're going live on the ground to Paris. <laughs> I believe Kevin Canners is there uh, for us. Uh, how are you doing, Kevin? Good. You? I am doing uh, underslept but fabulously this morning. Uh, and, of course, I forgot to – I'm so underslept that I forgot to remind our guests as well that you're uh, the, the host of the Elephant Podcast. We spoke to you uh, a few weeks ago about uh, your podcast, which is based out of the U.K., uh, but now you're you're playing correspondent for us. Uh, thank you very much um, to provide us a little bit of uh, context and what the, what it's been like there on the ground as well. So we, uh, um, um, yeah, not not so much expecting you to give us the sort of full detailed analysis of what's actually going on at the the talk specifically. We're going to be getting to that in just a few minutes. But I'm just really curious about what your experience is like. Give us uh, sort of the first hand as far as what it's been like to actually be on the ground right now in Paris. Yeah, well, it's been really interesting for me because this is the first UN uh, climate summit I've ever ever been to, and I think the the thing that's been most striking to me is kind of the the range of things that are actually going on here. It's it goes everything from you know gigantic corporations offering uh, fracking as a potential solution to climate change, so obviously not very uh, green or progressive, all the way down to like you know Naomi Klein and huge groups of activists and indigenous people from all around the world here, and so there's, it's interesting because it's like a huge uh, gathering of civil society at the same time as the UN conference, and they're sort of going on in parallel. Uh, and I think it's it, interesting because it's, it's kind of a fight over how climate change will be solved, right? Like, is it going to be solved by uh, grassroots activism and more democracy, or is it going to be solved based on the old model of gigantic corporations or like Bill Gates coming in and like saving the world for us, you know? And I think, I think that's been one of the most interesting things for me uh, here is to take that all in and see the, just the, the range of different peoples and groups and uh, movements that are here. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's, uh, that's sort of what I've been um, reading as well is that there, there, there seems to be a tonal shift in that um, even the laggard states seem to – there seems to be general <laughs> – this, this, is, this is sort of really sad. Uh, but there seems to finally be general agreement that, that this is an actual problem. Um, and what we're really bickering about now is how to how to go about solving it. And some people are being extremely um, soft, and some people are being um, really, you know, uh, optim, you know, being uh, providing a lot of hope by being really a uh, really ambition. Uh, but it seems like for the first time ever, everybody actually agrees that reality exists. Um, what's it, what's sort of the um, the attitude been on the there the ground there? Is, is I, I want to get a sense of of what you feel about the difference between the excitement that we're going to get a good deal and that this is going to work and that we're going to be able to move forward, or is the excitement just that? You know uh, that there's finally an, an acknowledgement of, of of reality, and that that's sort of like you know it's low bearing fruit, but at least we have something. What, what's your feeling of how people are feeling there? Well, I, th I think that people are. I think what you're saying is true, and that like it seems like okay. Well, at least the whole world is acknowledging there's a problem. They might not acknowledge that there's a, it's as urgent as I think it is, but you know, even you know now we don't have Harper. So Canada's on, on board and actually playing a, a pretty positive role. And, uh, you know, Australia isn't being as, 
as bad as they were under Tony Abbott. So, so overall, it does seem like there's quite a lot of goodwill. You know, I think for activists uh, who I've talked to, at least, it doesn't seem like, and this is certainly my own feeling, it's that whatever happens here isn't going to save us, right? I think it's it's a first step that, you know, whatever it is, like that Bill McKibben uh, said, you know, whatever happens here, it's not going to be nearly enough for saving us from uh, climate disaster. It's really just a first step that we'll need to uh, step up from here. And I think... And I think even the people, like I talked to this uh, one climate scientist called Kevin Anderson, who uh, heads the Tyndall Center. And I was talking to him about the type of things that will need to happen in order us to even meet two degrees Celsius if we don't invent some sort of magical thing in the future that sucks carbon out of the air. And we're looking at like 10% reductions a year. Um, and and the reality of, of just how much we need to do, there's still a disconnect between you know, these goals of 1.5 or 2 degrees, and, like, what it actually means on the ground. Like, we can't keep developing the tar sands. We can't, like, we can't basically wait until 2020 to uh, hit the peak of, of global emissions without making 1.5 completely impossible. Um, so so I think activists here, they're excited that it seems that the world is, is starting to come together, but at the same time fighting for the fact that we'll need to go much, 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 much further and we'll need to push society much further if we're going to have a chance of getting there. Uh, Kevin, I'm I'm interested to know as well. We've been reading sort of somewhat scattered reports. Um, um, I've I've seen obviously there was an announcement uh, for you know, security reasons, which you know saw under uh, under other circumstances I might be skeptical, but in this case I think are completely legitimate uh, security concerns. Um, that but the the step of saying that they're you know basically shutting down the the civil society uh, marches and stuff like that. Um, we've seen some scattered reports of uh, a few groups doing uh, smaller um, actions anyway. Um, is is there really a, a sense from you of there sort of being in like a complete state of lockdown, or was this or did this feel to you to just sort of be trying to be like to to maximize control for for security, but that that but that it's not too overhanded? How do, how does that feel? Does it does it feel like a city in lockdown right now? Uh, it doesn't at all. I mean, as someone who wasn't here for the actual attacks, but, um, if if I didn't know the attacks happened here, besides seeing like the memorial at Pasteur Republic, I wouldn't know. That anything happened here. To me, it doesn't feel on edge. Maybe it would to someone who uh, lives here and went through the attacks. Um, but my impression is that it's mostly as an excuse to, to lock down and, and shut out civil society and to stop any like rabble rousers. Because, you know, at the same time, there's a gigantic Christmas market going on um, here that's, uh, you know, probably like a thousand stalls. So what, what's getting shut down is completely arbitrary. And I, I do think it is an attempt to kind of control what goes on. I mean, to, I don't think uh, there needs to be a safe emergency. I don't think there's any reason why the marchers should be shut down. And actually, there's tomorrow a big demonstration that's happening anyway, uh, organized by 350.org that I'll, I'll be uh, covering. Uh, and so basically, to get around this, people are going to be in pairs of two, and they're going to be bringing something red that gigantic, I forget the actual uh, name of the street, but like the, the one that leads to Arc de Triomphe, and people are going to be making a, uh, a metaphorical red line uh, and saying we cannot cross these red lines with the climate, uh, which I think is a brilliant action. So people are still organizing, people are still doing things, and uh, I think tomorrow is going to be the biggest action of them all, while they're coming together last minute to try to hammer out this deal, which is you know changing by the minute. Uh, you know, and, and I think that's essential, important, because we would never be at this point at all where the whole world sees that we need to do something if it wasn't for social movements. You know, like the fact that people are now talking about 1.5 degrees is a triumph of, of activism because that wasn't even on the table before. Mm. Yeah, one of the... Um one of the conversations we had, I'm blanking on it at the moment, um, but I believe it was on the same show that we actually uh, talked to you, but there was a, a gentleman who, um, who we spoke to from the UK a few weeks ago as well who um, – uh, his company uh, consults and helps advise people on uh, investments related to protecting them from climate risk and climate-related risk and that sort of thing. And one of the things he said, I, we, we sort of agreed afterwards that we, that we here, at least here in the studio, didn't specifically agree with him. But he was sort of saying that you know, the talks don't matter because it's really what uh, business does. Now, we, we sort of disagreed with that part of it. But the part of it where it's, it's sort of true was, yes, at the end of the day, a, a large part of it is going to be um, sort of business that's going to actually roll out a lot of these changes. Um, but the, the, the tone 
tone has to be set uh, by the talks. It's sort of the the indicator for markets to know which way that we're going to go, and then they can sort of pick that ball up and run. Uh, on that point, one of the things that I noted was that uh, well, there was obviously a big presence from you know oil and gas and trying to say, well, look, we're clean too. Look, we can play along too. Um, but that, that it, it was far less muted uh, in previous years. Uh, no, I know. I know you just said that this was your your first one, but um, just from from your experience, how how much of a presence have you seen this? Is it is it a large presence? Is it everywhere? Are you walking around surrounded by Exxon billboards? Um, what is sort of that sort of uh, oil and gas presence felt like to you? Well, to me, I, I guess it hasn't been. It hasn't felt like that much, um, and because I haven't been specifically involved in. Uh, you know, the the actions that have been taking place here, there's been a few creative actions against this thing called solution, um, climate solution, right? And that's, I think that's more where most of the corporations have been held, right? There's, it's in the, the Grand Palace, and it's uh, basically they're, they're giving their future, their future vision of solving the climate crisis, but, you know, in, in ways that are, are quite dubious. But outside of that, I would say it's, it, it is pretty minor. It's not like you walk around and, like, you know, we're going to solve uh, this together. And I... Um, so the BP or something, right? And I, I remember seeing ads for for Copenhagen, and it was like um, Coca Cola ad saying Copenhagen, you know. So, so it, to my impression, as not having been to one of these things before, it it probably is um, less than years before. And I actually went to this uh, great talk by, uh, and, and I should say, I think that is because of activism and, and the the social license being taken away from these oil companies, right? Thanks to the divestment movement, thanks to companies like, uh, organizations like 350.org. And I actually went to a talk yesterday um, with uh, where this girl was talking about uh, the thing she started called BP or not to be. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but mm. it's basically doing creative actions against um, oil companies who sponsor cultural events, right? That's giving them kind of a social license. So they find creative ways of, of protesting this and uh, drawing attention to it. So I, I think it is less, and I think we can thank that to some of the things that have happened over the past two years. All right, Kevin. Well, I think we're uh, we're just about out of time. I, I, um, I want to thank you again for joining us again, uh, Kevin Canners from the Elephant Podcast. Uh, we'll put a link to uh, to his podcast as well in the show notes. Uh, Kevin, right before we go, is there um, anything that we should be sort of paying attention for in these uh, last remaining uh, hours? As far as you said, there was a, there was a couple action uh, a, an action tomorrow that was going to um, uh, ignore the uh, the ban uh, as well. Was there anything else uh, as far as that you've been aware of that we should be looking for over these next sort of thirty six hours? Yeah, I, I think I think the action's the main thing. Other than that, like there's this uh, live blog from uh, one of the uh, from the Guardian journalist following the talks as you go on, and I think that's that's the only way to really get a sense of uh, of how these things are unfolding because it, it all seems if you're on the outside uh, and not an accredited delegate, it's all opaque. It's hard to understand what's going on. So I'd say the uh, follow some live coverage in Twitter or uh, on the blog to see see what's going on there and. Uh, Keep an eye out for coverage of the protest tomorrow. All right. Thank you so much, Kevin, for live from Paris. Okay. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Take care. All right. Now we're back in our studio, and I'm joined uh, uh, briefly by uh, other Kevin, our co-host Kevin, Kevin Farmer, who's going to, uh, for now, just introduce our first musical break. Kevin Farmer, what are we going to listen to? Hi, everyone. This is, uh, this is actually a song from uh, 1989. Uh, by Canadian Gordon Peterson. It was released uh, under his, uh, I don't know what you call it, his stage name, Nom de Not Plume, but <laughs> uh, under his artist name of Indio. This song, is, uh, this song is dedicated to global warming. It's called Hard Sun. Her. 
She just throws it back at me Once I talk an early grave To find a better land She just smiled and laughed at me And took her blues back again It's a beat A big heart that's sounding Beating on the big people by my side When I try to understand She just opens up her eyes When I saw what I had done All right, we are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm your host, you also, uh, your host, your host, you also, your host, Darren Kester. You may also be listening on one of our wonderful community partners across the country or now into the United States as well. Uh, very appreciated and uh, much loved uh, community radio partners uh, all the way across the country. Uh, also, our podcast audience, which uh, if you are listening on the podcast, uh, there is now a new sort of wrap-up after show that will that does not go out on the air. Uh, you will not hear it on any of the radio stations, but you can get that through the podcast. So if you get through the show and you somehow are not sick of us yet uh, and you want just a little bit more, go download the podcast and that will be there as well. Um, Today, I think we, we may even get some text from Dave today, too, which is sometimes our theme. Perhaps, yes. Perhaps. All right. We'll find out. <laughs> and if he's listening, Dave, that was your cue. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk now. So I, did, I didn't want to spend a huge ton of time on this, but I, I felt like there we could potentially end up spending a bit of time on it. Uh, but I just wanted to at least acknowledge, because last week um, I brought up a, a, a story which was um, – which part of it I want to re- uh, retract part of what I said mm-hmm. – um, and then I would also like to make a new point, <laughs> uh, but because we brought it up and it's been it's been a little bit contentious in some circles, uh, I, I thought it irresponsible to just sort of walk away from it. So, uh, what we're talking about essentially was what was uh, being reported uh, by some sources as a super conspiratorial secret deal. Um, you know, quote unquote, environmentalists have been sold out by their own blah blah blah. Um, the deal uh, essentially what it's talking about is the uh, the uh, climate plan that uh, Premier Notley in Alberta. Um, just uh, passed. Uh, the offending photo um, will be in the notes as well. But essentially, it's got uh, the heads of a couple um, of the larger uh, oil and gas companies, uh, along with uh, a few of the a few heads uh, or, or, or yeah, uh, strong representatives from um, some larger environment groups. Uh, and basically, people were freaking out because they the accusation, which was, uh, and we'll deal with the the the. Uh, truthiness of that in a second. Uh, the accusation was essentially was that uh, the some oil, some couple of oil companies and Premier Notley and uh, a bunch of uh, several environment groups basically said, uh, if you guys agree to this deal, then we'll stop campaigning against you. Uh, so now we'll, we'll now we'll get to the truthiness of that claim. Uh, what is true? Uh, it appears to be true. Uh, I think it's uh, nobody seems to be denying this uh, at all. Was that there was. Secret meetings, which sounds very nefarious, um, but I think that it, uh, this is the one and only time potentially that I will ever agree with uh, somebody from the oil and gas sector. Uh, one of the CEOs of one of the oil companies said, "It's just called uh, a negotiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called a meeting. is It's a policy thing. They almost always happen like this. The only thing that was really sort of rare or really out of 
normalcy uh, was to have the heads. It was specifically when you're talking about you know Canada's oil sector, uh, having a bunch of oil heads, like actual decision makers, and not just sort of a representative sent um, sit down with actually the heads of some big environment groups um, was noteworthy. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I don't think nefarious. Well, I was going to like my whenever I hear something like this is my first reaction is, you know, what was happening before this. Just the premier met with the oil company and the NGOs were nowhere. Yeah. And now that they show up to the table or not even show up to the table are invited to the table, given that mm. they had no hope of being there in the first place, then it's then it gets cast as this nefarious plot. And it's like I understand the concern, but at the same time. Being invited to the table means you have a voice, and having a voice is better than not having a voice. Hmm. So some of the um, – yes. Um, I, and I, the thing is also at the same point though, I, w- I want to acknowledge um, that I think it's it's a legitimate gut feeling to feel um, a little bit upset about it. And I, w- I would like to acknowledge that, and I'll, I'll explain why, because I sympathize. Um, and uh, what's why is that because, um, you know – it has it, it gives the appearance to the general public. So essentially, there's three groups here. Um, there's the general public. Uh, there's the oil companies and the people who are going to mindlessly vote in their favor, no matter what information you get. I group those people with those. Mm-hmm. And then there's the range of environmentalists, which uh, are much more concerned with the part of the equation that deals with the future of life on this planet and less so concerned with short-term uh, economic stability. I didn't say not at all. Nobody thinks not at all on our side. And if they do, then you're not on our team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but significantly less so. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lower concern. I, so I think there's a legitimate upsetness to say, hey, um, those you know groups you know even if I like them don't speak for us so uh, I didn't get a say at the table. That's fair. Is it realistic? Not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody can't get a group at the table. A bunch of oil companies didn't get a seat at the table. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's uh, something else that's valid. Something else that I would like to say is also valid, or or in my opinion was valid. Um, I don't think. Um, I don't think that. Well, f- first of all, there there was no actual deal as far as we can tell agreement to do anything off uh one of the articles i really want to link and that i that i would like you to read and i, I want you to read it um both for information purposes and because i disagree with support about a couple things was a uh, article that support berman wrote uh, who's uh, previously but no longer as far as i understand directly involved with forest ethics uh forest ethics being one of the group that was uh, was that was at the these meetings um and she wrote an open letter, and basically it was just sort of everybody calm down and and you know stop being uh, mad. I didn't really think she had the best tone in there, although I mean I understand probably she's a little bit frustrated because a whole bunch of people uh, from the the community, as you were, the environment community, kind of went after her, uh, her and her group. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I understand defensiveness, but I, I think maybe it was a little bit overly defensive. Um, but what I think is is what, here's what I think is really really different. Well, essentially, what the the environment groups are saying are yeah, well, hey, we were at the table for the first time ever, um, so it was better to have us at this to help be a part of this consult consultation than to not have us. Totally valid point. Agree with her 100. Um, percent Not I, I really really have a lot of sympathy for people that aren't super keen on the idea of the talks being held in secret, but. I don't think that on its own is a big thing. And I honestly, in second sober thought, I'm not really surprised. Well, and can you like look at the firestorm we're currently in? Try to negotiate during this. Yeah, totally fair. I just I just wanted to acknowledge that gut feeling of of it feels like something doesn't it doesn't feel right. It always feels wrong when things aren't secret. Yeah. Sorry, Kevin, you wanted to jump in. I actually have a question. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't the upshot of this deal that uh, tar sands emissions will be capped after an increase of about 41%, 43%? Uh, 70 billion a year to 100 billion a year. Yeah, I think it's like 28 extra billion. Okay, why are we talking about anything but that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, if, if, if we're talking about any action whatsoever oh, I was getting on avoiding a dangerous warming scenario on this planet, if that's still possible, the rest of this is just sound and fury signifying nothing. We're talking, the real story here is is adding to the existing inventory of heat trapping gases on this planet stripped of all the window dressing <laughs> that's the actual piece of reality here that we should be dealing with yeah. i don't mean you you guys right now i just mean us in general yeah yeah you know those of us who who still um uh, acknowledge that we live on on what i still quaintly refer to as the real world <laughs> well, and thank you for the perfect segue. That that was sort of my final point on the thing, which what is actually what it, well the, to to wrap up the last thing. So so what what matters from the deal? Well, nothing. 
Uh, it's not legally binding um, as far as in its current thing. It's it's more of a uh, memorandum of understanding, if you will, um, with the companies. Um, that may change. Um, there certainly is no buying agreement with the ENGOs. That was one of the biggest um, things uh, that the oil companies that were not involved were is like, well, why should we? Why should anyone have to commit to this because they don't have to do back anything. off? Yeah. But that that's the that's one of two things that that I wanted to say that that I think I'm still upset about mm-hmm. or still miffed about. Um, one of them, yeah, is that why? What was the purpose? <laughs> So essentially, the thing that catalyzed these stories that maybe had ill intent, maybe the authors of these stories had ill intent, I don't know. But the thing that started that narrative of we've been stabbed in the back was the idea that there was meetings that they – so if you went to the meeting and you consulted with stuff, why didn't you say that? But the oil – like when you read the article, so support is basically saying we didn't make any deal and every one of these groups is still committed to fight pipelines super, super, super hard. It's like, well – and I'll post the stories for you guys to read yourself. But if you read what the statements, so in these same stories, there are statements from the oil company CEOs. They really sound like they heard someone promise they wouldn't fight them if they agreed to this deal. So maybe that's just them trying to put the, maybe they're just trying to create optics that make the environment groups look bad. That's totally legitimate. But they certainly seem to think there was some sort of agreement reached, uh, as opposed to simply that, that the environment groups were there to put a voice in. So I'm still, uh, I think the facts are still out on what actually happened there. But as Kevin pointed out, the final thing that would actually matter is and, – and here's why I remain upset even though I think we were upset partially about some, some – or I was. Let me just put it on me. I was upset maybe about some of the wrong things last week. Um, I think there is still something to be upset about, which is the deal sucks. Now, the deal is – and this is what Tabor was saying. The deal is super progressive from where we are. Uh, it phases out coal by a certain amount of time. It, But what it does essentially is it shoves a bunch of carb- – the, the coal's notes of it is that it shoves a bunch of carbon emissions off the table from stuff like coal uh, and gives it to the oil sands. So it's basically saying, like, it was basically saying, okay, if we if we if we reduce our total emissions, then we get to ramp up oil sands emissions, and the the deal is not good. Now, if you look at it from the point of view of compared to what we had, the deal is amazing, but if you compare it to what we need, the deal is terrible. And what I think that the the legitimate thing, and this is the final thing I'll say, and we'll, we'll see if anyone else has a throw in. The thing that I didn't like was if you've ever read any environment group's press release in the history of mankind, and yes, this is a not, I'm not making an actual challenge because I'm sure you can find one. But generally speaking, and I, I mean, feel free to, feel free to disagree with you guys, but, um, generally speaking, when you get a press release from an environment group about any change in policy, they will say as a matter of course, I think it's a automatic, it's part of the form that, like, it's part of the template that they use to write their press releases, um, uh, is, you know, this was an important first step, but there's still much work to be done. On this one and this one alone, if you go and look at the press releases from every single one of the groups who were involved in these talks, every single one of them says only positive things, says nothing about future work, says nothing about first steps. So when Sapporo goes on in her opinion piece that was published by an alternative journal about what are you guys so angry about? Well, it's okay. Well, if what you're saying is reality, that's fine, but that's really not what it looks like. It really looks like you just stood behind them and said, this is a good deal with no qualification, and it isn't, which is why people are thinking that something fishy is going on. So if there isn't, guys, my message to you is maybe you should stop making it seem like there is. And that will be my final word on it. Stefan. Cool. Uh, thank you, Darren. I have, I have two uh, points. First is there is, uh, into in Kevin's uh, valid point, which – uh, is again, Kevin and I could have a very long conversation about the, uh, where I entitled the defense of progress. <laughs> um, I know. That future for, future show. I'm looking future forward show. to that. We might we might do that uh, uh, next week. I'll, I'll even get some boxing sound effects. We can <laughs> have yeah. like ding ding. I don't um, think it'll come to that, but we, no, we, 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 I think we can schedule this. Yeah, we should schedule it. I I, I, I want to give myself a bit of time to prepare <laughs> uh, because I feel like you have a pretty solid argument of I've been around longer than you have and I've seen progress and look where it's got us. Uh, it's a pretty solid argument, which I will give to you right now. So I'm, I'm queuing up uh, the, uh, uh, the, old, the, the Grandpa Simpson like mm. stick-waving quote sound clips to play. Oh, yeah, like this guy, the, the, the punchline, and we, we should have this conversation maybe next week, but, but the punchline is just that what is sold is uh, progress is great sure any any reduction in emissions is fabulous in so much as it simply buys us a little more time to make even more reductions mm. and in that sense okay fine that's progress but there's a whole lot of ways you can make progress without i mean you can shrink the tumor every day and still die from your cancer yes. you know if you don't shrink it fast enough right you can so you can get you can make all kinds of progress that isn't sufficient progress and that's what we're perennially being sold is 
oh, those first steps. Yeah. You know, there's still so much more to do and we're making progress. Well, okay, sure. You know, but it, if we're the, – the only benefit of that progress is that it might buy us a little more time to make sufficient progress. And until I hear someone actually saying we're on a path to zero carbon that beats the da- – you know, we get to zero carbon ahead of the arrival of the dangerous warming scenario, which I know is a very vague statement. But mm-hmm. until I hear someone talking in terms of doing that – then I'm like, ah, yeah, progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah fabulous. That's fair. Uh, yeah, for another time. Uh, the second thing I want to do is who actually should be angry. Because mm. uh, there's a group of people who are not any of the people who are angry uh, who should be angry about the climate deal or about the Alberta's energy deal. And it's actually referenced in the – uh, in the other, in, in one of the other p- p- things we'll post on the on the uh, on the show posts, uh, in the Edmonton Journal, I think, is comment on it, uh-huh. uh, which is that what is that which is that in the action of shutting down coal plants and in the action of of, de- of decarbonizing their their electricity grid, which is valuable and good, uh, but with that idea of also coming to place to then allowing a oil sands or tar sands to be to be ramped up. What you're doing is you're charging more for power for Albertans to then let major oil companies make more money. Mm. Uh, and, and sure, a lot of them are employed by the same companies, so you can have that conversation. But the so fact that the people are, who are going to be screwed most are people who live in Alberta and don't work for an energy company. Yes. <laughs> uh, or, or, yeah, like, or, or they work for coal companies, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but like, there's a there's – a, with all of the with all the much supported of this climate deal from 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 the from the environmentalists and for all the support that comes from the from from the oil from the you know from the tar sands companies and everything else like that the people who are getting shafted them by this deal are poor Albertans who don't who, who like who don't have enough money for power right now who are going to see their power bill rise because because we want because there was not a good deal made for them like we basically they, those are the people who should be angry about this and yet they're the only people who no one's talking to mm. let's have that conversation yeah. well they are bu- building a bunch of wind so um yeah i think um it should be uh it should be yeah, supplied as a public service to the uh the people of alberta if they have trouble paying for their energy bills yeah, anyway we can um there's like a, there's a whole another side of that so i want to throw that out there it's like, oh, cool. which i found funny um yeah those are the two uh those are the those are my two thoughts on that Kevin, do you got anything on this one? I guess you already made your point, though. Mm. Uh, maybe just one more thing about that old progress issue mm. is that uh, is that you know the vast majority, and I know this as someone who was like literally knocking on doors in a in a federal campaign recently. There's a lot of people out there who just don't get climate change, and uh, and if I mean seriously, <laughs> there's people who haven't even heard of it, or they know it's a term that's bandied about, and. And there is, you know, if you if you sort of put everything on the spectrum, which is where it really needs to be, um, I have detected that there are a great many people who are vaguely aware of climate change, and they're quite happy to just think, oh, someone's making progress on this important mm. issue, you know. And and to the sense that that to the extent that that statement and all of these glittering generalities we're still getting from like our federal government and governments around the world, well, our federal government in particular, but. Um, you know, I, I just worry about these mollifying uh, effects of, of making it sound like we're making progress all the time. And it, 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 you know, it, because it, it, those people are now just, you know, the people who are sort of on the fringes of this awareness, I, I just worry you're like, oh, okay, it's being looked after. We're good. We're, we're, it's, it's all good. As long as, as long as we're continuing to make progress on this, we can, we, can, we, can start, we don't have to start worrying about this. Don't worry, honey. Go ahead and run the air conditioner. We're on solar power now. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah we're, we're making progress. <laughs> I just, I just want to point out that, uh, that Kevin is not fighting fair. He's taking shots before the fight. I know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, this is like the you're pregame. Just, yeah, exactly. The, the, the I'm, I'm just like yeah. getting ready. You're just like, <laughs> shit. To get, like you're, I'm not saying. It's just not, it's just, Kevin doesn't fight fair. Well, and, mm. and if you, but if you credit me for having an advantage of age, you lose every day. You're like, <laughs> like half my age and i'm always going to be older than you <laughs> that is a fair point all right so i'll just wrap up this site we're going to go to our, our music break in a second uh Stephen, you had you still had a final comment on that right you had one more thing uh why well, have something and I, I have an announcement to make oh okay so let me do yeah. my my closing comment sure. and then you'll you'll do the last thing before we go to break so my last thing was i just thought i, I wanted but the last thing was just because you know i don't want to be one of those people because i just finished saying that the current deal sucks mm. uh and i gave it some qualification but i still i hear somebody out there saying Whoa, so you think you could do better. And to a large degree, frankly, that's actually what uh, Sapporo was saying. Fair point. So here, here's what I think could have been done better. Um, essentially, what's trying to be done, and essentially, if you read Sapporo uh, Borman's article, so again, yes, I'm strongly recommending that you go and read something else, so any one of a selection of things about it, and then read what Sapporo wrote. Um, 
is that essentially what it was saying was there is no way that we are ever going to get anyone in a position of authority who is going to phase out the oil sands without reaping as much benefit for the Canada as possible. So the best deal we were going to get was a way to keep it under control and was basically was saying we have to negotiate. There's no way to victory. That's a sense. She didn't say it that way, but that's basically what she's saying. And fair enough if that's your point of view. But here's what I think you could have done, because essentially what the conversation is, well, we can't just shut it down because what about jobs? Even Sapporo says there's t- there's tens of thousands of people employed. I, I don't want to throw those people out on the street. I, I, I don't have uh, uh, malice or even neglect uh, for those Canadians who are currently employed in the oil and gas sector. But if you look back to even – I don't know about Sapporo personally, but any of these major groups uh, who are going out and we're using language, every single one of them – again, this is – I'm not expecting to be challenged on this uh, – at some point has said that World War II analogy. What we need is a World War II-style mobilization to deal with this problem. If we were actually going to do that, what you would do, and here's my crazy idea, I know it's really wild, is you take all of the subsidies and you create a job training program. And then you go to the oil companies and say, we are going to be phasing you out, but we're just phasing out your oil and gas operations. We're going to give you a timeline to adjust and change. We're going to help work with you on how – I know it's hard, but every the deal they have now is hard. This is just another idea. And what you do is say, we're going to, you can either cease to exist and we're going to, we're going to use public money instead of giving you subsidies to retrain all your people in, in a variety of other fields, primarily renewable energy, because we're going to need to make up all this energy and all this resource. We're going to be an energy, a clean energy superpower. And if you uh, uh, want to play ball, then we will help you transition into a clean energy company. Cenevis can become Cenevis Solar. Uh, Exxon can be Exxon Oil, uh, wind, and, uh, wind and Geothermal. That's fine. You can even keep a portion of your oil. Like we'll, t- we'll taper it out. Let's plan you out of existence together or hit the road, Jack. Now, that's what I call a strong deal. Alberta's got a, uh, Alberta actually has a really good profile for alternative energy. They have a really good profile for wind and solar. They have a really good profile for geothermal. You know what you need to harvest geothermal energy? People who, need, who know how to drill holes in the ground. And they, they kind of have that out in Alberta. And uh, I mean, I, I'm going to go back to – people are just going to keep hearing this from me <clears throat> as long as we're still talking about this. I don't know what's realistic about any targets for anything <clears throat> that sleepwalk into a dangerous warming scenario. If we're talking about real politic and real economy and like you know, putting that sort of real in front of what we can do, what's a realistic target, what's realistic about destabilizing the climate systems on this planet? Uh, you know, it is possible to have uh, a carbon-free techno- uh, co- economy. It is possible to have a steady-state economy. In fact, it's, it, it seems like it has to be inevitable, really, on a finite planet. It is simply not possible to, to have a, any, any form of economic or political or even social stability with a, a permanently destabilized climate systems. Look around the world. You can see it. It factored into Syria. And welcome, by the way, Syrian refugees who are arriving in, in uh, Canada. Woo-hoo. Uh, so what's realistic about that? If we're going to, if we're going to put realistic in front of what we're, what we're, if we're going to talk about our realistically achievable goals, someone's got to explain to me what's realistic about unleashing, uh, the, letting the warming genie out of the bottle. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go to our, uh, final music break here. We have an announcement from Stefan and then we're going to go to Kevin to tell us about, uh, about our next song. Stefan. Yeah. So in, uh, in my ongoing defensive progress, <laughs> Uh, Warning shots being fired <laughs> constantly across the battle. Over here. Um, uh, so uh, Project Neutral uh, is has something called uh, Carbon Shift Tools, mm. uh, and they and they're the contest. They have a contest that run every year, uh, which basically lets you sign up and you go online and you sort of find out the ways you could you find out your own carbon footprint and then find out tools you can reduce it. Uh, so a lot of it's for you know making your reducing energy bills at how in your home and stuff like that, uh, and it's coming to an end next week. Uh, December 15th. Uh, so this weekend would be a great time to do it. Uh, and you can find it on their website, which is, which is carbon, which is projectneutral.org. And, and they have a bunch of, uh, Hey, that's cool. They're from, this is actually a Canadian whole thing. This isn't a, like, so this is, it started actually in Riverdale in the junction. And, but now the veil, so only if you are in Toronto, Guelph and London, that's where the tools are available to you. Uh, but, and they, you can win some prizes. Uh, and everyone likes prizes like mm. bike lights, theater tickets, Pints of ice cream. Pints of ice cream. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm just reading them now, so I'm like, now I'm getting excited. Time ice cream? Ice cream. Who's that ice cream? I'm sold. Especially given it's 10 degrees in December. I feel like ice cream is actually a recent, is a much better gift now than it would be normally. <laughs> you can actually give ice cream for Christmas this year, and they will probably be welcomed. 
Yeah, I would just put Chris uh, give away Chris uh, ice cream for Christmas this year, and then on the bottom of every container, it should be think about why you are enjoy. Think about the fact that you're enjoying this right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and so you know, maybe. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I'm on board as long as you didn't put under the near the fire or under a stocking. That's my only suggestion. Not do that. But yes, <laughs> uh, December fifteenth is the last day you can go to projectneutral.org and uh, and take this. Take their. It's actually quite an interesting survey altogether, and you learn a lot of interesting things. Also, just about what what different actions have what kind of carbon impacts as uh, even if even if you don't actually want to reduce your carbon you're just going to find out where it's all coming from uh it's a super interesting tool all right so uh another place to get that link as well will be on our website which is with today's show post along with all the links to all the articles we were discussing uh and you will also be able to uh, do things like vote for the news leave us a message i'm particularly interested i would like to do a call out uh, i'm very interested to hear other people's thoughts on this uh this issue we just finished talking about i think we've dealt to it to the extent that we're going to deal with it internally here on the show uh as far as i'm concerned we're good on that uh but if you have something to say, I want to remind people, we do have a phone uh, number you can call in. You can leave a brief message. Uh, if you'd like, you can choose to have it uh, played on air. Uh, and if you have a comment about that, if you feel, if you disagree with us uh, on this or anything else, uh, but, to, but particularly that specific issue, I'd like to know how people are feeling about that. Go ahead and give us a call. I, I'm not going to read the number now, but just go to greenmajority.ca, and it will assault you as soon as you arrive, I assure, uh, I assure you, along with all the inf- other information you'll, uh, you'll want uh, about today's show. But without further ado, Kevin Farmer is now going to lead us into our second and final waltz of the show. So the first song, uh, Hard Sun by India, was uh, dedicated to global warming. And uh, the second song is uh, it's by Toronto-based artist Emma Lee. It's, uh, it's dedicated to the weird, hope, the, the weird blend of hope and despair that all of us approach the uh, COP summits with. Uh, this one's titled Not Coming By. <laughs> And we are back here listening to The Green Majority. I am your host, Darren Kaster, in studio with the one and only Stefan Hostetter and the one and only Kevin Farmer. 
Ah, man, I'm tired today. <laughs> We're having fun anyway. I, I, I don't feel like I sound like I'm tired, which is good. Maybe, maybe a little bit disoriented, but, uh, but not completely unconscious, which is great. That's progress. See? <laughs> progress. progress. <laughs> uh, our, uh, our infinitely sarcastic uh, music uh, director today, Kevin Farmer, is also uh, having a little bit of fun here uh, as well, and uh, hopefully we'll get him, press him into service in that more often. Um, because we agree, we we uh, we like his our sarcastic, uh, ironic music choices. Uh, <laughs> by all means, uh, Ke- um, sorry, Stefan. Yes, uh, you had, you were saying you, you had a tweet you got mad at. Would you like to explain I did. that? I did. Uh, which is like the least interesting thing anyone can ever say. Uh, I think it's describing tweets. <laughs> just before before you turn your radios off, this is actually yeah. interesting. Uh, like I think I think I think tweets that you got mad at are the new dreams. <laughs> and that if anyone has like you know when someone tells you your dreams you're like they don't know everyone tunes out tweets you're mad at are the exact same thing. Um, also, I feel like you're 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 even you're even trying to win your battles with your music now, Kevin. I feel like this is an ongoing <laughs> ongoing battle. Uh, but no, this is just, this is it, for me. It was more just bafflement than anger, I guess, because uh, it was a tweet from McDonald's, uh, which is you know already great because you know. Who follows McDonald's? Uh, but it popped up my time because it was sponsored, and it was, says, "We're helping to address climate change by by working towards sourcing sustainable beef." <laughs> and then it has a picture of a Big Mac, um, and then it says on the advertisement, "In 2016, we will be pr- begin purchasing a portion of beef from verified sustainable sources." And then in big words, working towards a world in which beef we serve is sustainable. All the beef we serve is sustainable. There are so many things about this that are ridiculous. Ooh, uh, can I use one of my favorite phrases ever? Yes. That sounds fractally crazy. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, <laughs> hey, what is sustainable beef? Yeah, begin and end there. <laughs> it, it, that, that ends the whole conversation. Uh, uh, putting those two words in the same, well, qualifying each of those with the other. Yeah, I also like working towards, in that this is not a government that has to convince anybody. You could just do this tomorrow. You're McDonald's. You have billions of dollars of profit. You could just decide to spend that money and actually do something, and you're not. And then my favorite part about this was they also hashtagged COP21 in the tweet. <laughs> Um, which made me realize that there's – I don't know if there's anyone in the world – like if you made a Venn diagram of people who might follow the hashtag COP21 and want it to succeed and people who would believe this advertisement, I – if you're out there, please call me. <laughs> I want to speak with you. That's on the level with uh, – I've noticed this really disturbing and upsetting trend of people uh, making jokes or similes or w- using wordplay to draw reference to the Black Lives Matter hashtag. Mm. So I've seen all sorts of – anywhere from just obviously racist to just incredibly poor taste, people making plays on that like mm. Burger Lives Matter, all sorts of things. Right. And it just mm. – it's driving me nuts because of how incredibly offensive it is. Um, that – is like same level. <laughs> it's like that's the same level of like. See, we're with it, guys. Guys, in a way that's not only are you not, but it's offensively not. The translation of sustainable beef is vegetarianism. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what that means, McDonald's. It's by putting it's to put an asterisk at the end of the word beef. <laughs> yeah, B- beef tm. <laughs> <laughs> sustainable B E A F. It's B- like it's three e's. Just, yeah, three e's or something. <laughs> <laughs> the uh within that 100% beef no no i mean like like so it's beef like no no, no it's like that's the name 100% yeah. beef yeah <laughs> it's brilliant uh so yeah do that mcdonald's uh that's what stable beef is uh it's made of crickets it's delicious. <laughs> it, it will it will soon be it, it will, will be. soon yeah. be i had a cricket uh, this week it was actually it uh, tastes it tastes like beef one of the one of the many quotable uh, we're, we're in the matrix everything <laughs> tastes like chicken yeah, because exactly. no one knew what anything else tasted like when they programmed the matrix <laughs> one of one of the infinitely quotable uh kevinisms uh actually was uh sustainability uh, sustainability before it's forced on us uh or some such uh, and i i feel like that's an area where, where that will be forced on yeah, us. yeah we, we yeah we're going to live in balance with this planet we, that's an inevitable truth. That strikes me as an inevitable truth. We we have two choices. We can, well, we can proactively just try to decide, have a say, have a say now while we still can in what that balance will be, hmm. or we can wait to have it forced upon us. And I don't like our chances. I was going <laughs> to wait, waiting for that to be forced upon because one way to live in balance with this planet, if uh, if our lifestyles are fundamentally unsustainable, one way for us to live in balance with with the laws of physics 
is extinction. That's one way to pull that off. Oh, that's one not, way to balance that equation. That point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one way. But it's one way to pull it off, yes. right? Like it's one way to accomplish it. And I just, I just, you know, we talk about, you know, these, you know, whether or not COP will have legally binding targets or something. I, I made this crack last week. What is more legally binding than the laws of physics? You know, we, we just we can't argue with it. these things are at least now non-negotiable. And we we can wave our hands around and say, oh, yeah, we always, you know, we'll, we'll pull some technological rabbit out of the hat. And maybe we will. You cannot rule it out. That there you, better, will be- you better hope it's a time machine. I want to point out, Kevin, that gravity is just a theory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm just saying. Yeah. Not binding. <laughs> Damn, you threw me off there. What was, what was, what was I ranting about? Uh, I wanted to finish that thought. Anyway, Stefan wins. Ding. Yes. Stefan Stephen lands a body blow. We're, uh, we're, we're running short on time here, so I just I wanted to come back to it a little bit because I was, I was sort of holding out. I, I'm literally watching the live live tweeting from the Guardian here of the uh, uh, of the COP uh, talks as it goes by. And I, I just wanted to put out a couple more information before we wrap up the show. Um, and if you're not listening on CIUT uh, and you're not listening uh, immediately as it's posted on the uh, 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 website here of the show, uh, th- this will we will have had the answer probably by the time you you hear this. Mm. Except for I think one of the, one station uh, that plays us uh, the day after this is actually recorded. Uh, but where essentially where we are right now is that. Um, uh, as I said, uh, as we were talking earlier with uh, with Kevin Canners from the Elephant, uh, that there there is definitely a different tone here. Where there seems to be even even Canada and even Australia <laughs> seems to be agreeing that this is an actual problem. They're just having serious disagreement about when. Here essentially are the three points as of now. We've got uh, there was a there a bracketed text, square bracketed text. Apparently was the the marker for things that were under contention. So they they had something like seven hundred points of contention in this document. As little as 24 hours ago, in the last 24 hours, it's been brought down to 50. That may have even changed since I was able to read that information. But it's coming down to to these specific points are the points that are still up in the air. Uh, basically, all of the uh, acknowledgement – uh, so uh, the idea of differentiation, which is that, you know, basically, should we all split the cost evenly or do rich countries have an obligation to help poor countries? One of the biggest um, – points of contention here. I think the most notable thing is that the Americans are saying, yes, we do have a responsibility to do it, but that there is no recourse. So essentially, if once we agree to the amount that we're going to give to the poorer countries, you have no recourse. You can never sue us. You can never ask for more money. It's basically, the, it's it's like trying to avoid a lawsuit by paying somebody off and saying, I'm going to give you some money now, but you, you have to promise me, you have to sign a contract saying, you will never ask for another dollar from us from this, uh, which understandably has a lot of people upset. Um, there's a lot of resistance around the uh, the, the uh, mandatory review process, which is kind of important. It basically says, are you actually going to do the things that you say you're going to do seems pretty darn important to me. Uh, many states, of course, are still finding that contentious. And then states like uh, Saudi Arabia are no shock to me. Um, Really, really not down with the 1.5 degree uh, reasonable target. They say two degrees is fine. It's not like we're one of the first countries that's going to become inhabitable if this place cooks. Um, Apparently, a huge sticking point. Um, One of the other major notable things as well is that, of course, there's a bunch of different groups. There's a uh, – oh, man, I've lost it right now. But they had a great name. It was the – not the Optimism Coalition or something like that. It's the um, (laughs) – uh, the, basically, there's a group of countries that were saying the ambition, the ambition coalition, uh, basically saying we should be going well past this. Uh, there's a strong contingent uh, there with a bunch uh, of big countries who are on that side as well. Uh, they don't seem to be making a difference because the few that are holding people back uh, don't seem to be budging from this. But as it looks like as we're about to go off the air here, it looks right now like we are going to get a deal. It looks like that deal will probably be not great, uh, but it looks like we're going to have a deal. And I th- and I think the reason why it's still uh, okay to be optimistic, as much as Kevin's about just smiling his butt off right now, uh, is that as we discussed, you know, uh, earlier in the show and a couple weeks ago as well, uh, I don't think that the exact specifics of the agreement are what really matters. What matters is the tone an incentive that's shown to market forces and that market forces, once they see the writing on the wall, are really going to be the ones that make this driver uh, as far as how much change we get. So as long uh, as long as we get an agreement that has some strong commitments, I think it's all we need really is enough to push that market ball, start, start it down that hill towards a race towards clean. Uh, and I think we're, we might be okay. So extremely cautious optimism. Uh, and now, Kevin, to quash that, go ahead. No, 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 no. Uh- Look, you guys, I work really hard on this. I, like, I, I haven't eaten meat in 20 years. I cycle. The The heat hasn't been on in my apartment in at least a decade. <laughs> like, I work... I've 
devoted 20 weeks of my life in their entirety to campaigning for the Green Party. I mean, I work really hard on these things. I'm not someone who's saying don't take action. Uh, I just live in the real world with what we think we're trying to achieve. Uh, and we're not we're not stating our goals nearly strongly enough. But anyway, so having said that, I've been kind of saturated lately, and I'm just not following environmental news very carefully, or even really at all. So, you know, I've kind of got nothing lately. And then I realized, oh, yeah, I actually know nothing. I mean, when Rob Ford smokes crack, I can't find a hole deep enough to hide in to not know about that. I, I can't. I can turn off the TV. I can turn off social media. I still seem to know about what's going on with Rob Ford. If uh, if Justin Bieber increases the entropy of the universe in any way, shape, or form by engaging in any activity, somehow I seem to hear about that. Did you know he's using uh, super plush toilet paper now? Somehow I have been tuning out the news lately, and I know nothing about cop. So mainstream media. Why am I able to hide from news from COP from you? Why, why is it that I, I know everything about the, the terrorist attacks in, ter- in Paris, but nothing about COP? You, you who are undertaking to present us with the first rough draft of history, when it comes to environmental crises, you don't seem to be able to get even the barest outlines of that first rough draft correct. So congrats, congrats, mainstream media. I've been able to hide from news of COP lately simply by not listening to you. And uh, that just shows me that you're not taking this seriously enough. All right. That's all the time we have for this week. Coming up very soon, a ba- a, uh, a, a full MMA battle between uh, the progress and not Kevin Farmer and, and Stephen Ross are coming up on a soon show. I've also just uh, had confirmed as well that uh, for a week when I will be absent, uh, that Andrew Mitrovica will be rejoining us. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we have that booked. Let's uh, we'll fingers crossed that uh, nothing happens to interrupt those plans uh, as well. And a final uh, reminder here that uh, if you are listening on the radio, you can catch a, a brief after show each and every week by subscribing to the podcast or going to the website uh, for those links as well, where you'll find an ability to vote for the news. You can call in, leave us a phone message, tell us what you you think we would, uh, we'd love to play your thoughts on air as well. Uh, so check out the website for all of your needs and more, greenmajority.ca, but that is it. That's all the time we have for the live broadcast today. So thank you so much for listening to The Green Majority, signing off for this week. We'll talk to you all real soon. Have a good green week, folks. Coming up now is our after show, which is brought to you by uh, us, the same people. Uh, if you'd like to help support the Green Majority, you can check out uh, the Green Majority patron page and become one of our uh, patron supporters, which helps produce uh, some of the extra things we do in the show, the website, uh, as well as climate cartoons and a number of other initiatives. So if you're interested in what we do and you'd like to help us out and you can afford it, we would love you to become a patron supporter, which you can do for as little as $1 a month. Coming up now, the bonus show. All right, we're in here for our brief after show. Thank you for the segue, uh, Stefan, with the musical Stefan, musical guest Stefan Hostetter. Uh-huh. Uh, and we're going to do our uh, brief after show, and uh, our technician uh, for today, Edward, is uh, going to start us off. Just uh, you had a, you had a thought. I asked you to sort of listen in and tell us you had any thoughts. You have a thought. Uh, it apparently is related to what we were talking about. So yep. why don't you go ahead? Um, so Kevin, uh, he briefly mentioned that. Um, the average person doesn't really know about climate change uh, in general um, and that a lot of people have questions about it. Um, and I know my, 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 some of my parents um, would have the same question where they, they don't really quite understand what you mean when you say climate change. Um, so I was wondering if you could briefly just summarize climate change and do your you know, elevator pitch to to the average person. Would you, would you like me to Ooh. specifically address your parents? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if that makes you more comfortable, sure. Uh, no, no. I, mean, <laughs> I, I just want to... Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, bas- yeah. I mean, basically the idea we're talking about buildup of... There's a bunch of gases that are heat-trapping gases. We loosely call those greenhouse gases. Those heat-trapping gases uh, disturb the balance of... Uh, the flow of energy on the earth. Uh, normally carbon, one of those things is carbon. There's a few other uh, gases as well. Uh, and there's a particular balance in the atmosphere. It's not about the idea of these gases being bad. You know, one of the one of the most low-level silly counter-arguments is, but, you know, carbon is good for plants. Therefore, if we have more of it, it's better. 
That's like saying, you know, uh, eating some tuna is good. Therefore, you should eat, never eat anything but tuna. Yeah. Uh, it's about the balance in your diet. And that's really the best way to think about it. It's like the, the ecosystem has a, a diet. It needs certain things. And if you have too much of one thing, it can start making you really sick. And that's really the Coles Notes version. Yeah. All right. I think I can do better. Go for it. Uh, specifically, at least it was only one part of it, not the whole thing. I think generally you're right. You're obviously right. Uh, but the only part I would uh, think that I would, I think we should add to that is that, um, what happens is, is right now a certain percentage of, <clears throat> sorry, a certain percentage of of heat that is sent from the sun uh, goes back into the space. So heat comes from the sun, hits Earth. Uh, without any atmosphere, Earth would be about negative 16 degrees on average, uh, so unlivable. Um, the atmosphere traps heat naturally. That's what it does. Uh, in, that's what, in part what it does. In, what, in, in part is what makes Earth livable. Uh, these, including these greenhouse gases, specifically carbon is the most common one. Uh, methane is another very common one. There's a bunch of other ones. Uh, so... By increasing these gases, you're actually increasing the amount of heat that is being trapped. This is still a sun's heat. It's being trapped by the, by, the, by the atmosphere coming back out. Instead of being reflected back into space, that is what leaves us with extra heat. That's all we're doing. It's basic chemistry. We're literally just increasing the amount of trapping ability. Uh, other fun fact is the, is, the, is the whole thing about ocean acidification, but we'll not, we won't go there. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a very long elevator ride. <laughs> um, the elevator pitch is uh, balance is important, and if you don't have it, we're screwed. That's yeah. the short version. Yeah. We just need a really tall building. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, if I was, was going to use another metaphor, like the, part of the problem and part of the reason why it's been so easy, I think, in a lot of ways for, for people to sow confusion was it's very complicated. Not only is it very complicated, but many parts of it are quite counterintuitive. Uh, and those are the parts that make it very, very easy to sow doubt. Um, so uh, for another sort of part of it, what I would sort of uh, say was that um, – the, the, yeah, it's really the emphasis I think is on on the idea of like balance. So when we're we're doing something, it's kind of like our, our society is on the top of a, a Jenga game a little bit. And there's a number of moving parts, and they all do different things. But the the important thing is that as long as there, as long as we have uh, a balance between these forces, you know, the numbers might go up and down. But as long as they're in balance, we're we're generally speaking, we're okay. That's stability. That's climate stability. When we start having imbalance, we have climate instability, and the nightmare scenario is that it falls over, which is runaway climate change, which means a completely new climate. Paradigm. Uh, if that happens, most of the life on Earth right now cannot exist. It really is that bad. Um, and the problem is, is that the scary part is not that we're a minute away from that, or if we don't do this policy, we can't do it. It's the part of the problem is that we can't, we don't know, and we and we really don't know with any certainty at all where that line is. We just know with certainty that there is a line. Uh, we have a fairly good idea of where it, where the line is, but. It's that lack of specificity, which is what I think where people go is, well, okay, so you're not sure. It's like, no, okay. That's kind of like saying I'm not sure exactly how much poison you can ingest before you're dead. You're like, okay, well, because you can't give me to the micrograms, therefore this isn't poison. Well, no. Uh, and I think that's really a difficult part of it. At, at a certain point, if you start boiling it down to anything too simplistic, you're going to, you're, going to, uh, you're going to be wrong by definition because it's not that simple. And that allows people who are looking for a reason to, to try and not believe you or to ignore what you're saying. It gives them a perfect opportunity to do that so i think that's part of the reason why people don't like trying to to spitball it is because it's it's it only works if the person you're speaking to is operating in good faith uh and understanding that you're oversimplifying things if they're looking for a reason to disbelieve you you're you're going to give it to them by trying to explain it to them in, in simple terms I think that so now I'm trying, now in response I'm trying to tell you the actually fastest most simple way I could try to describe it and what i've come to now is earth is a house we're just adding more insulation, and we're just getting hotter. Uh, and we're still adding more insulation by the day, and we just stop. Uh, of course, the problem then, of course, it breaks down is that, like, we call it climate change instead of global warming because it actually has different effects. It's not all warming, blah, 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 blah. But, like, basically, we're just trapping more and more and more and more heat. It's like putting on layers. You know, like, have you seen that video, YouTube video of the guy who puts on more and more shirts until he gets to wearing, like, 10,000 shirts or something like that? That's what we're doing. Uh, and, and we're the guy wearing too many shirts. Yeah. And there's somebody saying, what are you, anti-shirt? Look at, all, <laughs> look at how many people use shirts every day. How can selling you be so many shirts? shirts? <laughs> and besides, selling shirts is good for the economy. Do you That's know how many true. people are employed by making shirts, Stefan? Well, that one Why man. are you against shirts? That one man is employing you know. at least 10 people. And yep. what we're saying is we're not against shirts. We're, we're advising that it's probably not safe to wear 700 shirts <laughs> and never take them off. Yeah. That's really what yeah. it comes down to. Thank you, Stefan. Yeah. Uh, I think we've got probably about two two minutes left yeah. or something like that. Was there one? Was there one other thing you'd like to get uh, to? Really, I just wanted to actually. So there's a 
the new story we didn't get to that we were going to cover was the Greenpeace uh, and basically hired basically pretended to be fossil fuel companies and then s- saw if they could just buy off academics. Um, it's we'll put in the show post. It'll, mm. It's a it's a whole thing. Um, what I find, but I, really the article itself is like it's it's not. It's interesting. They basically just asked them, like, we we want to comp- like. It's kind of ridiculous in the emails. They're like, coal has. There's a new study that's saying coal kills about 3.7 million people uh, due to like actual health effects. We want to counteract that by saying that coal is important uh, for developing nations and actually saves people's lives, um, and all this sort of stuff. And like, it's 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 kind of it's it's a, it's it's a, it's a ridiculous story. Um, and but what I want to cover too is the very last quote. Uh, which is or second last one one of the last questions at the very end, which is from one of the two people that they that sort of that that two two professors that they actually sort of tried to buy off and successfully bought off, um, which was someone who said I did not expect payment. He clarified a chance to spread the message of the CO two coalition was enough. Um, which sounds like him is sort of being like, I wasn't going to pay it. I was trying to spread the good word. And then you go to CO two coalitions page and you're like. Who, you don't need to buy this guy off. He's already captured. CO2 Coalition is a ridiculous shill organization that is meant to convince you that coal is okay. It's, it's like, I went to the website and it was blown away with the level of greenwashing that managed to exist in one website. Uh, it's just, I think in it, it says things like in it, one of the tabs on the CO2 Coalition is about how, is literally what you said earlier, which is that CO2 is good for plants. That's one of the tabs in this thing. It's like, I understand that the goal is to like show that this is possible, but. I almost would just point to this guy in the first place and be like, he sponsors a thing that says CO2 is good for the earth. Why are we listening to him at all? How is he a professor? Did you also know that arsenic is naturally occurring substance in the animal kingdom? In the, in the, <laughs> in the natural world, arsenic is natural. Therefore, it can't possibly be bad for you, Stefan. That's, gotcha. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Progress, right? <laughs> it is completely uh, unrelated that I happen to work for Arsenic International. <laughs> uh, I, in fact, it's the other way around. I'm so passionate about the, right. the rights of arsenic-bearing plants uh, uh, that I that I, I sought out uh, a job with Arsenic International. We didn't even need to pay you. You just want to spread the good word. That's of, right. Of yes. Arsenic yeah. Coalition. Yeah. I just I have a several million dollar home and I and I need a very large check to uh, just so that I'm not homeless. Right. Of course. That's right. Because yeah. otherwise I'd, I'd be I wouldn't have my home. Oh, that makes sense. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And all the jobs that come with that home, I'm sure. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> We've got off the rails. Thank you for thank you for assisting us this week, uh, uh, Edward. You're going to be off for a couple of weeks, yeah. so thanks yeah. for coming by, Stefan. Thanks as usual. Woo. And uh, thank you to everybody for sticking through to the uh, end of the show here. We're getting into the holiday season as I was saying so just two quick things one we have some very silly shows coming up mm. uh, it's going to be awesome so uh, so don't think oh it's the holidays I don't want to think about the environment yeah but we're kind of barely doing that too we're going to have <laughs> some fun uh, so don't, make sure to, to stay tuned in over the holidays and the second thing is uh, and I've been leaving this information for the after show because uh, it's really just the hardcore listeners that are here Ooh. for the after show uh, that you get to know that uh, Stefan you and I had a, a meeting yesterday where mm. we went through all of our applicants for the co-host we've narrowed it down to a select few that are going to be interviewed so uh, in the new year we will be announcing uh, potent- a. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Probably a. We'll see what happens. Mm. Uh, new co-host, and I'm extremely excited. I was extremely excited with all of the people who applied. Um, it was very painful to narrow it down to to just a few to make it to the next stage. Uh, so thank you if you applied or if you were thinking about applying, um, uh, or if you're just excited to have a new voice. So am I, and we'll 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 have that for you real soon. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good green week. Yeah. Thanks.